Mic check. Mic check. Mic check. One, two, one, two. Mic check. One, two, one, two. We are back for another episode. It's a taste to consider podcast. Yes, indeed. Let's go. It's a taste to consider podcast. Yes, we back for another episode. Sticking to the podcast. To get things I have. Ooh, oh, to get the things you need. And I Let's go. Sticking to the podcast. Let's go. How many of y'all remember this song right here? Sticking to the podcast, yes. I just want to know. Let's go. Consider This no more with R&B songs. That breakdown, that bridge, you don't get that no more. Say, stick it to the podcast.
Sage to Consider Podcast. Yes, indeed. Man, you don't get songs like that no more. A lot of these R&B songs today be like two minutes in, maybe some change. <laughs> you, <laughs> you'll get lucky if you find an R&B song these days that's three minutes long. Shoot. You get a song like, you know, shoot, like Luther used to do. Luther used to do like 10-minute songs. You will never get that today. It's one 10-minute song, they'll consider that shit an EP or an album or something. <laughs> hey, it's a Taste to Consider podcast. We are back for another episode. Yes, indeed. Let me intro the show. Let's go. It's a taste to consider podcast. I'm your host, Dirk Silver. The taste of a taste to consider podcast. The podcast of many tastes. Yes, indeed. We're back for another episode. Let's go. Taste to consider podcast. We're back for another episode. Feeling real good right now. Whew. All right, it is Tuesday evening, Tuesday evening, yeah. This summer schedule has just been, this summer recording schedule has just been totally off and crazy, but it's all good. It's good to break up my routine because I'm the type of person that I'm like real heavy on routine and stuff like that. So it's good that this is going on, you know, get myself out of that routine mindset and, you know, shake things up and stuff like that. So it's, it's it's good for me, you know, that is is working this way. Um, appreciate everybody who listened to the last episode. It's only been like it's only been a week since I last recorded, like a week and a day. But I feel like it's been so long since then. Like the time, like the way time has been going and stuff, it's just been real crazy. Like days of becoming like super short. That's what they feel like. But then sometimes they feel like they super long, then the week be super long. And you know how the weekend go. The weekend and all is always super short. But yeah, it feel like I ain't recorded in a minute. I feel like I took like an extended break or something. But we back. It's only been a week and a day. <laughs> but um yeah, back for another episode. Um yeah. Uh, still haven't been on social media as far as posting and interacting and all that other good stuff. I've been on there like I talked about last episode. You know, I still, uh, I curated my timeline in a way where, you know, the places where I find content and stuff like that for the podcast and stuff. Um, so it's not like I haven't been getting on social media, but I don't live on social media. I don't stay on social media. I don't, you know, post on social media. I haven't been posting on my stories or advertising, marketing the shows and even my blogs because I've been writing crazy lately. Um, 
and it I've been trying to figure out if you know like if it if me not being on social media is directly um the reason for why my writing has picked up I definitely know that you know me not being on social media plays a role in that because um I've been uh given way more time to more important things which is myself <laughs> I'm the I'm the most important thing <laughs> I've been giving more time to myself and cultivating myself um you know progressing myself um just focusing on myself more um using that time that I was wasting on social media um and you know giving it back to myself and you know, uh, things that are much more important and much more valuable. And I know I've been going back and forth saying whether I was going to talk about it on the podcast or not, but I feel like I've been having so much more clarity um, since I haven't been on social media. Um, I've been able to, like, um just focus and put more attention into myself and and with me not being on social media a lot of things have been coming towards me um i've been able to be more open and being able to see more of the things that god wants me to see and um what my angels and what my guides and my ancestors the universe wants me to see and you know I've been just full of creative um, energy, <laughs> full of creative energy for myself and other people. I've been giving so many people ideas and stuff and to things that they they are working on or things that they haven't been working on because they their focus is not, you know, um, in the right place. And that's not a, a shot at them or anything, you know what I'm saying, but we've had conversations enough to understand that where I'm coming from, but yeah, um, my creative energy has just been off the charts lately. And I don't even feel like, you know what I'm saying? It's been a month since I've been off of social media. Um, but I don't even look at it like (laughs) I'm even at, you know, the, my highest point where I can be as far as, you know, um, reaching my full creative potential in this space that I'm in and stuff. You know, I just been dedicating more more stuff to myself and I'm not going to go too much into it because I just I want to write about it. So I'm going to write about it. So check out greatestiamblog.com because um yeah, I've been on it and I released a new blog. Um what is the name of the blog? Oh yeah, I am not my social anxiety. <laughs> I am not my social anxiety, and I just uh, released that over the weekend. So check out the blog, greatestiamblog.com. Shout out to everybody who took the time to read the blog. It only takes one minute to read the blog, if that, depending on how fast of a reader you are. And I see, I get to see everybody who actually reads the blog. You know what I'm saying? So, um that has been an interesting um experience that I that I plan to write about as well. But yeah, I see exactly who reads the blog, who actually opens the email that is sent out for the people who are on the email list. 
So if you're interested, go to greatestiamblog.com, click on the contact tag, and you can subscribe to the blog, and you'll get, you know, notifications when a new blog is released. But, yeah, I see who, who reads the blogs. So shout out to all the people who have been consistently reading the blogs since I've been releasing them. So what I've released, what, three or four since I've taken my uh, social media break. Um, yeah, I've just been been wanting to write so much. And <laughs> so, yeah. It's interesting, though, um, just to get back to the interesting portion of me seeing who actually reads and stuff. So it's interesting to see the people who who say that they are, you know, um, they support me and that they support mental health and stuff, but ain't reading <laughs> reading the blogs. And it, it's just crazy because you open you actually open the email, but you didn't actually click on it to read it. But I'm not here to throw no shots or nothing like that. But I just find it interesting. You know, so, um, yeah, it is what it is because, you know, one thing that I've learned in the um, since I started my blog in 2017 is that, you know, um, it's going to reach somebody and it's going to reach who it's supposed to reach. And that's just in life, period, you know, even with the podcast and stuff like that. I know at certain times I get discouraged, I get frustrated with how certain things go with the podcast and how things go with my blog and and just me period being out here you know speaking my truth being like vulnerable and seeing people who are doing the same thing and and how you know um their rise has been different or their path has been different than mine's and you know just trying to find that balance of of not getting caught up into all of that and stuff like that and that's another thing that um, I've been uh, inspired to write about. So, you know, I'm going to keep it going. Um, greatestiamblog.com, um, greatest.i.am.blog on Instagram. Burp number one and two of the show. Um, burp number three. Damn. Burp number four. I think it was because, you know what I'm saying, I was... I was adjusting myself in the, on the couch. But, yeah, um, this social media break has been really good for me. It's, it's, it's pretty much like a detox or whatever. You know, I've been um, able to just, you know, put more of the energy into myself. I've been praying more. I've been writing more. I've been meditating more. I've been working out more. So my body has been changing. My mind has been changing. My emotional um has been changing my spirituality has been changing i've been doing a lot more to just focus on myself and stuff um yeah and i have a lot of time because i spent a lot of time by myself (laughs) but um yeah the new blog that i wrote i am not my social anxiety like i said shout out to everybody who read it because it was interesting the the responses that I got back from that particular blog post because a lot of people hit me up and was like, you know what I'm saying? They didn't, um, they were surprised by what I wrote. They didn't, uh, they didn't know all of that really entailed social anxiety. And one thing about me and my blog, I'm not 
like some of the some of the other people on social media and stuff who who just post general things about you know what social anxiety is or what anxiety is or what depression is or what mental illness is or whatever I speak from my personal experiences because I feel like it's more important for a person to actually speak about their experiences than just the general um, bland, broad diagnosis of a mental illness, you know, because a lot of people out here suffer from mental illness, but just haven't been diagnosed. But they aren't going to the doctor or they don't think anything is wrong with them. So it's, I feel it's important for people such as myself that is more vulnerable about their experiences to share those experiences so people can relate to them. And that's what I always feel like um, separates me from other people. But, of course, those other people there, you know got more followers they got you know but it is what it is um i've got i've gotten to the point where you know i'm able to accept <laughs> uh where i'm at and you know just trying to find my way you know because it's always a, a um it's always a a kind of balancing act of trying to find your way find your place in a certain space and actually how people will accept that or whatever and what i've learned is when 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 you're when i'm more vulnerable and i share my experiences on certain things that you know what i'm saying uh it makes people uncomfortable and just based off of my experiences of uh, on both sides of uh, of this space is that, you know what I'm saying, sometimes when you hear people's experiences and it makes you uncomfortable, it makes you uncomfortable for a reason because you know that you've experienced the same feelings, you experienced the same emotions and stuff like that. So it makes you feel uncomfortable because you don't want to confront that, you don't want to accept that, you don't want to acknowledge that. And one of the things that I learned about social anxiety is that people just don't understand it. You know what I'm saying? So majority of the people in the world is are ignorant to social anxiety. And just based off of the responses that I got from my latest blog post, a lot of people are still ignorant. And I'm using the term, term ignorant, but I'm not using it in a de derogatory way. You know what I'm saying? A lot of people, they see the term ignorant being used and they look at it as it being derogatory, but it's not. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's just you not having the information about it. But, yeah, it's still a lot of people ignorant to uh, social anxiety. And, you know, um, I've been dealing with social anxiety for a long time. I'm 40 years old, so I would say I've probably been dealing with social anxiety since I was 13, 14 years old. Um, that's pretty much where it started. And, you know, because I didn't get help until I was almost 30, 31 years old. So I cultivated a lot of habits and ex and thought patterns and 
and stuff for a long time. So, you know what I'm saying? So it's like I'm just at the point where I'm almost close to balancing the time that I've learned, picked up certain thought patterns and habits and stuff to now where I'm starting to understand myself and I'm starting to heal and stuff like that and and actually um counteract what I've already picked up. But my journey with social anxiety has definitely been um <laughs> I can I would just say it's been interesting because for a long time I didn't understand what I was going through. Um, a lot of times um, I didn't get the fact that, you know, all I all I knew was that I was afraid, you know, when certain um, invites were extended to me, when certain... Um, Shit, that's pretty much it. When invites were extended to me, you know what I'm saying? This fear would come over to me or even, you know, when it was time to hang out with the fellas or when it was time to do certain things with my significant other or if it was time to do things with my family or if it was time to do things with my job and stuff like that, just fear would come over me. And then in the midst of that fear, all these scenarios would come into my mind and I didn't understand. I didn't get it. It was just happening, you know? So then in that, in, in that, in that place, I'm just sitting here like, you know what I'm saying? I'm feeling these things. <laughs> um, and it's telling me not to go, not to go, uh, not to do, not to speak, not to be myself. You know, it was just all these things going on. And in turn, you know, um, I received a lot of judgment. I received backlash. I received um, assumptions, all that people thinking that I was stuck up, people thinking that I was bougie, um, people thinking that I didn't like them, um, people thinking that I was shy, people thinking that I was quiet, you know, it got to the point where, you know, it was going on so long, I was actually questioning whether I was an introvert or whether it was social anxiety, and that was around a time when I started going to therapy and started actually learning about, you know, what was going on with me. Well, for a long time, I didn't know what was going on with me. But even to this day, you know, um, and it's just with people in society, period. When they don't understand something, they will judge you. They'll question it. They will act finicky about it. You know what I'm saying? They will act like you farted in the room. Like, what's, what's wrong with you? Well, it's not that serious. Why do you think like that? You know what I'm saying? Stink face type questions and responses to stuff that's going on with you that you don't have any control over you don't even know about at that point and it was is it was really difficult for me and um even like 
starting from high school, going into college, and then in my mid and late 20s, and and then in my early 30s, and then, you know, once I start going to therapy and learning things, but, you know, I'm still going, you know what I'm saying, still having struggles and stuff like that, and still trying to understand everything like that, so, you know, at the same time that other people don't understand, I'm still not understanding, so I'm beating myself up at the same time, and you know what I'm saying? Um, it it was a struggle. <laughs> and it's it's crazy because I talked about this plenty of times before on the podcast about um, when I was working with uh, the, the black woman therapist that I had at the time. Like right before the pandemic started, we were really getting deep into my social anxiety struggles. And... Um, like a lot of the homework that I would have from from her would be, you know, going to going to places by myself, doing things that I've always wanted to do by myself to to build up that confidence and that comfortability. Because I've had some of the, the weirdest and craziest things um in in my life when it comes to social anxiety that I'm even embarrassed of speaking about. Like I I talked about this on, on in my blog post about like even in my 20s and stuff when I was like really going to the clubs and stuff like that. I was having full blown panic attacks in the club because I was concerned about um, what what people were thinking about me and stuff like that. And we talking about a nightclub here, like a nightclub where there's hundreds of people in it. And I'm sitting here in my mind thinking like, all the people are paying attention to me. So that's the type of thing that social anxiety does to you. And I understand that everybody doesn't suffer from it, but a lot of people would look at it just like, you know what I'm saying, what the hell is wrong with this nigga? You know what I'm saying? What is wrong with you? Why are you acting like this? Why why you got this in your mind? Just get over it and all that other stuff. This is what we do with 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 people with mental illnesses. And if you listen to this podcast long enough, you you will know that I feel like everybody, I'm not a licensed um, professional or anything, but I feel as though everybody suffers from some form of mental illness or they have at certain points in their lives and they still will because based off of the, the statistics, it will happen. But yeah, I've had full-blown panic attacks and in the club um i've been like super crazy nervous or afraid to present in front of front of my classes when i was in college or in high school and stuff like that even when i was playing sports in high school and stuff like this this extreme fear and nervousness and anxiety would come upon me would stop me from doing things or being myself or saying the things that I want to say and stuff like that it was torture it was torture straight torture it was like the real me was trapped inside of a cage and that cage was was my mind and my mind was controlling everything my mind was preventing me from job opportunities opportunities just to socialize with friends family my significant other 
um, modeling opportunities, just opportunities all across the board. If you read the blog, you'll get a sense of of what I'm talking about. I gave it uh, a couple examples in there. But yeah, and I'm the type of person that I'm a real passionate person. I'm a real, like, I can get real, I won't say aggressive, I'll just say passionate. <laughs> and so if I wasn't able to express that passion, you know, uh, authentically, it would come out as aggression towards myself. So in turn, I didn't even need nobody to judge me and all that other stuff because I was doing way more to myself than what my the people who said they cared about me, who loved me, my friends and family and all that other stuff. And granted, I'm not blaming them for anything because a lot of at, at a certain point, you know, what I'm saying they didn't even know what I was going through. But then even when 2017 came around and I started, you know, being more open about my mental uh, health situation, I started having more speaking engagements and stuff like that. Then people started to know, but people still was acting cr- weird and and finicky towards me judging me and stuff like that and still taking a lot of things personal you know what i'm saying and 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 in turn i projected that back onto myself so i will say one thing about you know me going through all of this and you know what i'm saying i used to i used to sit back and think like damn why did i even you know why did i sign up for this to come come why did I why did my soul, my spirit sign up for this to come and to to deal with this shit? I don't want to deal with this shit. <laughs> but um yeah, it is what it is. I um I do certainly believe there's a higher plan for me and you know what I'm saying, as long as I'm in alignment with it, everything will come out properly. And I've had, you know what I'm saying, I've had moments, you know what I'm saying? I had moments where you know, um, when I when I wasn't in my way, my own way and, you know, blocking myself and stuff like that where, you know, uh, what I've gone through has given me great moments to help other people and to also help myself and to elevate myself. Um, but there's been way more moments where I've stood in my own way. But, yeah, it's it's. That's why um, over the years, you know, the more and more I've gone to therapy, the more and more that I've been more self-aware and conscious of my situations and stuff like that, that I've understood that um, you have to give people grace. You have to be uh, you have to be sympathetic and empathetic towards people's lives and stuff like that, because. It's real out here, you know what I'm saying? It's a lot of stuff that people are ignorant to. And it's always convenient to focus on ourselves and to only protect ourselves and forget about everybody around us. But, you know, when it comes down to it, we supposed to all be connected and and working together. But, you know, that's neither here nor there, you know, that's... That's a whole nother conversation for itself. But, yeah, check out the blog. Um, Shout out to everybody who hit me up and gave me good responses. I appreciate that. 
and I appreciate, you know, the fact that you took that one minute to read the blog and you actually, you know what I'm saying, hit me up and stuff like that. That shows that you care about mental health. You you uh you care about learning. And it's it's not about me, you know what I'm saying? I'm just the vessel and and just speaking the message and putting the message out there because um the more and more that, you know what I'm saying, I write and I share these situations or whatever, it's just it's just building up my confidence and allowing me to help somebody else. So, you know what I'm saying? I try my best not to make this about me or whatever. Um, but I will be lying to you and say that, you know what I'm saying, my flesh doesn't at times get frustrated and discouraged when um my message and my story and stuff is not getting to a much larger audience but um yeah let's get into the podcast um let me see where i'm at i didn't write out uh uh <laughs> i didn't write out uh, um a show but you know i always have a show ready for you so i have a i have my outline in my phone not on the paper usually i like to do both because um even though my handwriting is terrible i still like to write shit down <laughs> i like to have i like to i'm the type of person that i'll write notes and just leave them around places and i'll forget about them and then and then find them later on and be like, oh damn, I forgot how I came up with that idea. Let me let me work on that real quick. And then I'll and then I'll forget about it again and then go to something else. That's the um if for all the folks that's into human design, that's the manifesting generator in me. <laughs> but yeah, let me see where I'm at right now. Um Yeah. So speaking of um, and that's why I, I, I will always say, man, like, um, even though I get discouraged and frustrated about certain things with the podcast, about the growth of it and stuff like that and how people be finicky about it and, and saying bullshit on social media with um these bullshit podcasts talking about toxic ne- negativity and shit like that. God always come through with the podcast. I really don't have to do t- I don't I really have to do no work when it comes to putting episodes together because stuff just be flowing like topics come to me that correlate with um certain things that's on my mind and stuff like that and it's always the right timing. But yeah, speaking of the social anxiety and you know what I'm saying how people perceive you and look at you and mental illness overall. I came across this tweet so I'm going to go through the tweet, right? And this tweet involves, you know what I'm saying, everything that I've been talking about up, up, you know, to this point. And, you know what I'm saying, the blog post. So make sure you go read the blog post, greatestiamblog.com. Um, it's at least three or four new blog posts up there. So, yeah, make sure you um, subscribe to the blog um you can share and all that all that all that stuff on there all that capability is on there you can same way with the podcast um you can download and follow the podcast depending on what streaming service you want follow the podcast download it listen to the podcast and then 
undownload it. Same button. You hit the download button, listen to it, hit the download button again, it's off your phone. It's off your memory, off your storage, all that other stuff. So make sure you do all that. And and if you got the time, if you know what I'm saying, if you feel like it, put a review on there, whether it's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Do that. You know what I'm saying? As well as YouTube. I'm recording right now, so YouTube as well. So to this uh, tweet that I came across, um, I thought it was relevant. So we'll get into it. I used to be a firm believer in, quote, if they want it to, they will, end quote. But then I sat down and realized that life and its serious and its series of unfortunate events can step in and prevent people from doing all that they can do with, for, to you. Sometimes people want to be, sometimes people want to, but can't. Sometimes people try and fail. They aren't less of a person because they fumbled the the ball. Everyone fails at something in some capacity. We need to give each other more grace if that grace is deserved and earned. People are dying. Folks' lives are falling apart. People are crumbling at the core. So sorry they can't take the time and energy energy to stop their life from falling apart, to love you properly. This was a self-drag. You get so wrapped up in what people aren't doing that you forget to consider that there could very well be an extremely good reason why something isn't getting done. Feel like you owe the people you love that level of grace when deserved and earned. This is an extremely hard lesson to learn. Because it's one thing for people to be filled with excuses and never showing up for you. And it's another when people genuinely have too much on their plate and can't give it to you. Recognizing the difference is extremely hard. And I need to do a better job at giving myself and the people I love grace because we're all literally trying our best with what little we have. We shouldn't be punished for that. We actually need to lean on each other more now instead of just walking away from each other. This life shit is complicated as hell for everyone involved. Nothing is simple or easy when two people come together, even if they work well together. Everything takes work. It's easy to forget that. And I'm such a hypocrite because I almost demand people to understand me when I can't show up for them. But I don't extend extend that same level of understanding when people can't show up for me. I have to do and be better in that regard. The people I love and deserve. The people I love deserve better from me. I want to empathize that I never said you need to excuse poor behavior. That's key. This is simply about making room for grace and compassion. You can absolutely understand why folks are behaving poorly while distancing yourself because your needs aren't being met. You understanding why someone is acting an ass towards you is not you excusing the behavior. It's just you seeing them as a flawed person prone to making mistakes like we all are. Regardless of what life throws at us, people are still responsible for how they treat others. And I think that's so key. And I thought that was very relevant to 
you know, um, the conversation when it comes to social anxiety, because that's that's something that I've gone through. Um, people looked at me a certain way that I wasn't a good friend. I wasn't a good partner. I wasn't a good lover or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Whatever. Good family member, whatever. But them not knowing and understanding that, you know what I'm saying, I was going through something. You know what I'm saying? I'm still going through something. You know what I'm saying? Healing isn't linear. You know, like I've been saying for the past few episodes, a lot of negativity and toxic things, behaviors, uh, lessons that you've learned and stuff like that, you can rise above them when you're on that healing journey. But they never go away. So you at times be triggered by things you will be um, forced to revert yourself back in that space and stuff like that, depending on who you're dealing with. And, you know, what I'm saying that's when it comes down to the reactionary portion of of a lot of things. You know, what I'm saying, are you reacting from a trauma response or you know what I'm saying? Are you accurately seeing things for what they truly are? And I think that's one thing that a lot of people fail to realize, particularly when it comes to the bullshit that gets posted and stuff on social media. A lot of a lot of that stuff on social media comes from trauma responses. Damn, I got to use the bathroom, so I'm going to have to pause the show. <laughs> I'll be right back. And I'm back. Damn, now I got to do uh extra editing on the video side of, of things but yeah um i i specifically remember like you know what i'm saying it got to the point where my social anxiety started getting worse um and this was around a time where i didn't know what was going on with me but you know going to therapy and looking back at a lot of scenarios and moments in my life it got to the point where i stopped you know what I'm saying? When people inviting me out, friends and stuff like that, best friends, the crew and all that other stuff. And to the point where they stopped inviting me places. Like I will find out that they went on trips and shit like that. And I'm like, damn, why y'all invite me? And then the answer will, will be because the past couple of times we invited you out places, you said no. And I'm like, damn, but you could have still invited me. So a lot of that shit hurt. I'm not going to lie. A lot of that shit hurt. And I looked at it like, you know what I'm saying? Are these people really my friends and stuff like that? So I got all the, I already, I'm already dealing with this, this social anxiety. And then I'm sitting here having to question my friends and then having, having to question myself, like, what's wrong with me? You know what I'm saying? Why is this happening to me? You know what I'm saying? I I want to hang out, you know what I'm saying? I thought we was cool. I thought we was boys and all this other stuff. And they not inviting me out to the club no more. They ain't inviting me to the parties. They ain't inviting me to the, the trips and stuff like that. Or, you know what I'm saying, I'm looked at as a bad friend and all this other stuff. So I'm already, you know what I'm saying, dealing with this this mental illness. Then I'm already beating myself up for this mental illness. So then I got other people beating me up for it or if that's how i'm perceiving it you know and then that's just compounding on to me beating myself up more so yeah it was a difficult you know what i'm saying difficult time in my life and then honestly like um even though you know i talk about a lot you know how i i spend a lot of time by myself and stuff like that 
a lot of it isn't because I want to, you know what I'm saying? But because of people not understanding um, my social, let me, let me correct that. People not understanding the social anxiety that I struggle with, that a habit or a routine has already been in place where I don't get invited to places or they don't think that I'm going to come so they don't say nothing. You know what I'm saying? Um, and then in turn, when even when I when I can't come to places or if I'm not in the mood or stuff like that, uh, I have to force myself to go because I don't want people to think that I'm blowing them off or I'm not a good friend or something like that or whatever. But I definitely like um, appreciate people that I have been able to discuss this with and have actually, you know, um, and then in in our discussions of me telling them that, you know, what I'm saying I, I, I almost need them to help me change routines or to get out the house and stuff like that. I've had several people in my life that have you know what I'm saying been very compassionate empathetic and sensitive to the things that's going on with me and they didn't have to and they've been a good friend you know and helped me in in these situations where I've been able to discuss you know what I'm saying certain therapy sessions and certain um, things that I want to work on or whatever, and they've helped me get out the house or change routines or and stuff like that. Because for a long time, I've always been of the mindset, um, like Monday through Friday, uh, well, Monday through Thursday, that's, that's work time, you know what I'm saying? So that, that's what you just focus on. Your, your days are just, uh, focused on working your job or whatever so then when a weekend come then you can have leisure but I've met over the years I've met some incredible people who who have that I've been able to share certain things with and even the people that I didn't share things with that I almost felt obligated to do certain things with in order to not be perceived a certain way but they didn't even know but they've showed me a different side of, you know what I'm saying, how to break routines or how to live my life in different ways and stuff like that. And this was even before therapy. This was even before me understanding what was going on with me. But once I got to therapy and then being able to flash back and go back to certain portions of my life, I've been able to see things and appreciate things in a different manner to understand that. Your life doesn't have to be so structured, so routine and stuff like that. So I appreciate those experiences. I appreciate those people. And they um, some of them will understand and some of them will never understand how much, you know, um, how much those situations and stuff meant to me, even when I had to force myself because I was being a people pleaser or something like that. <laughs> but, yeah, um let me see where I'm at. Um, hmm. Okay. I got a clip. 
for you. And I feel like this clip um, has to do with, you know, what the conversation has been like so far. And I'll give my thoughts on it. Some of the, excuse me, burp number five and six and seven. There we go. Some of the um, some of the things said in the clip, I agree with, and some of them I don't. But you know, that's what a taste to consider is all about. You know, what I'm saying you're not going to agree with everything, whether it's coming from me or somebody else. But you have to be considerate enough to, you know, listen to these things. <laughs> So let me play this clip. Let me cue it up. Um, let me see. Get this queued up. If you change your expectation, you will limit your frustration. I expect people to be who they are. Once you teach me who you are, you teach me what to expect. And I'm never disappointed because I never expect above what you advertise. If you advertise you a fool, I expect you to be a fool. You stop calling me, I stop expecting you. I text you, you don't text me back, I stop expecting it. I stop expecting it to control my frustration. I can't control your call, but I can control my frustration. And I refuse to give you that much power over me. So once you show me that I can't expect it, I can't be frustrated by that I don't expect. If you change... Okay, so, you know, I always play the clip first and then we're going we gonna to go through it again. Piece by piece. Um, so, yeah, the clip. That was T.D. Jakes. Um, and this is what I've been talking about for a while now about these clips. You got to be careful with them because they be so condensed and... A lot of the time, people just be so focused on that condensed message and not necessarily the context of the message or anything that can go further beyond their trauma response and stuff like that. So I definitely understood what he was saying, but I feel like there's some layers to it as well. And I feel like a lot of people, they so caught up into their trauma responses or things that have been projected on them in their lives from family members and good good girlfriends and all that other stuff that um and their homies and stuff i don't want to just limit it to to uh women that's that's not you know what i'm saying that's not what i'm about but yeah so things can't just always be so black and white and y'all know that's why i talk about black and white things you know what i'm saying we have to consider the gray area but the way society is right now with instant gratification, social media, external validation and, you know, um, confirmation bias and recency bias and stuff like that, that people can't see beyond anything other than what makes them feel good in that moment. Or, well, yeah, shit, point blank period, what makes them feel good in that moment, whether it's con confirming their bullshit, affirming their bullshit or their trauma response or whatever. But yeah, so we're going to go through the clip again. Your expectation, you will limit your frustration. I expect people to be who they are. Once you teach me who you are, you teach me what. See, and that's and that's the problem that I have with um, these type of clips and stuff like that. And people posting it, these pages. I found this clip on 
spiritual world and y'all know how i feel about spiritual world how you got that name for your page and you always spewing out some toxic negativity bullshit but either way um yeah that whole cliche of um you know you show me who you are and i i need to believe it and all that other. i don't know how to you know <laughs> y'all know these cliches because a lot of y'all niggas be following that shit but seriously it is it, always interesting and i've been there before to to look at at these clips or these posts and these memes and stuff and be like you know what i'm saying yeah yeah you know what i'm saying hell yeah you know what I'm saying? You want that confirmation bias because that makes you feel good about where where you at or your mind, your mind, your mindset or, you know what I'm saying, um, what you're going through with somebody else or stuff like that. But it doesn't really hold any context to it or whatever. It's just, you know what I'm saying, a little cool cliche or a little buffer to get you going, you know, to move you along with that same mindset that ain't been getting you nowhere. But there has to be a level of grace and sympathy, compassion and stuff for some people. And I'm not saying for all people because I do agree that it's a lot of people out here that be bullshitting and that be playing games. You know, shit, just like the the song I played from the intro, Chucky Booger, Games. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? There's people out here that do you know what I'm saying, play games and stuff like that, I've played games before, you know what I'm saying, I've had games played, you know, um, with me and stuff like that, but we can't be absent-minded and just forget about the fact that we're human just like other people are human, ultimately, you can choose what you want to deal with, yes, but we got to be careful with the judgment portion of it, you know, with the ignorance aspect of things, you know, because it's a lot of people going through shit that we've gone through before. Like I will say this all the time. A lot of everybody goes through the same things, but just have but just in a different way. And then in turn, we have different perspectives on it. We perceive it in different ways and stuff like that. We feel it differently. But it's all the all these emotions and feelings we feel everybody feels but we just perceive them in different ways we go through them in different ways we experience them in different ways but they're just the same feelings and emotions all of us have felt express um pr projected etc i mean i can go on and on but you 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 understand what i'm saying but we got to get to the point where we stop looking at things just to confirm um confirm or affirm us and not take no accountability for our role in in these situations as well as how we've been in the same situation and done that to somebody else or even done it to ourselves or whatever you know and the reason why you know I feel like all of this is important is because like one thing that I've experienced with social anxiety, with anxiety and depression, period, is people will judge you and look at you in a funny way, 
even when you aren't trying to do anything on purpose or if you don't understand what you're going if you're ignorant as well to what you're going through or what you're putting out there to the world or what you're projecting onto somebody else or how you perceive how somebody else is acting and stuff like that we all caught up we all caught up to expect and i'm never disappointed because i never expect above what you advertise now i do feel it is important to not get so attached to a person where you hang on to everything that they're doing that they're saying that they're expressing and stuff like that yes i do feel like that's an important aspect of what td jakes is talking about in this moment and i feel like that is important but i feel like in the midst of you un- not holding an attachment you also shouldn't push n- push judgment onto another person because there's a lot of people out here like like i i will say i will say this again i'm not a licensed professional but I feel that everybody on this planet Earth has a mental illness and will suffer from a mental illness at some point in their lives. And to sit here, I see a lot of people, particularly I've I've dealt with a lot of people, friends, family, loved ones, all of that, that have judged me and and looked at me like I was weird and all that other stuff. But by me being self-aware and conscious of what I've gone through and what I go through, that they be going through the same shit as well. But one thing that people are 100% guaranteed to do is if they don't understand something, if they are ignorant to something, they will judge it, they will act funky to it they will act finicky all that good stuff you know what i'm saying and that is projection that is uncomfortability because their higher self their inner being their soul their spirit can feel and understand what they're going through but the human side doesn't it doesn't it doesn't understand (laughs) If you advertise you a fool, I expect you to be a fool. You stop calling me, I stop expecting you. I text you, you don't text me back, I stop expecting it. I stop expecting And, like, just focusing on the phone calls and the texting or whatever, I get what he's saying because there is some people out there that are just, that are just selfish and, the, and are just... Um, totally focused on themselves where they don't care about nobody else and they will use you into the ground but then there are also people out there that you know what i'm saying that's on the other side of that phone and just afraid to call because they don't know what to say or they're nervous they don't know what to text because they think that it's going to be corny or because they they're so focused on what what they've seen on social media that they're afraid to say certain things because they're going to look at as being lame or being weak or or because they feel as though they don't they don't live up to the standards of what society says and stuff like that so that's why i've been trying to make it a 
make it very important to speak on the gray area of things. The gray area of things is so much more bigger than just it being black and white. Black and white is easy. That's easy. Looking at things from from that perspective is easy. I mean, if we want to be honest, that's it's easy and it's being weak. Being having compassion, being empathetic, having strength, all of that is, you know what I'm saying, diving into that gray area. Underst- having understanding, you know what I'm saying, having sympathy is diving into that gray area of things. We can't sit here and be so entitled that we can't put ourselves in somebody else's shoes knowing that we have those same feelings or we've had certain moments or we've had vulnerabilities and stuff like that. That's some weak shit, you know what I'm saying? That We want to talk about, you know what I'm saying, people out here manipulating and and being dirty and all that other stuff and being grimy and all that other stuff. That's what that is. Not allowing yourself to be open to give somebody sympathy or grace or understanding and stuff. Because when it comes down to it, you ultimately know you can make whatever decision you want to make. So if something doesn't feel right, then you have the opportunity to evaluate whether it's coming from a trauma response or it is coming from a genuine place, an authentic place. Directing it to control my frustration. I can't control your call, but I can control my frustration. And I refuse to give you that much power over me. So once you show me that I can't expect it, I can't be frustrated by that I don't expect. And it's all good to to be in control and to be conscious and self-aware of where you are mentally and emotionally so you know um, how to put boundaries in place with yourself and as well as other people. But it ain't cool to just write people off just because you're not getting what you want or getting what makes you feel comfortable or what makes you feel quote-unquote safe. You know, that's a big thing now on social media with this safe shit. I just seen somebody um, I follow, and they wrote a caption because they got into a new relationship, and they said, thank you for allowing me to stop being masculine. And I'm like, do you even understand what you're saying? Like, And, and I'm not trying to pass no judgment on what this person was saying, but it's a clear example of people allowing other people to have control over their emotions, their feelings, their mental and their physical and even their spiritual aspects of themselves. And I talk about this enough. I understand and I get 
how, why women feel as though that they have to be masculine and stuff like that. But you can't blame that on nobody else. You know, we all have to be responsible and accountable for ourselves. Nobody can make you be masculine or feminine but yourself. Nobody can make you be quote unquote good or evil but yourself. Nobody can make you be whatever but yourself. When are we going to start being accountable for ourselves? And that's where it comes down to being open to other people expressing their vulnerabilities and stuff like that. And I get it. I get it. I used to think for a long time somebody's supposed to make me happy. And I was wrong. The more and more I've gone through therapy, the more and more conversations that I had with my mentor, the more and more conversations I had with myself, the more and more reading I've done, the more and more writing I've done, the more and more praying I've done, the more and more meditating I've done. I am responsible for myself. Even when I have those vulnerable moments or those down moments or, I, you know what I'm saying, I fall back into those to those uh toxic and negativity negative spaces or whatever i'm still in control of myself i can only blame myself for the decisions and choices i make granted the things play a role in it but i'm 40 years old man i can't keep blaming nobody for the shit that i keep doing or i have done or whatever you know what i'm saying i can't I never understood. I remember, I forgot who it was that that told me. This was even before my mentor, you know what I'm saying, told me, you know what I'm saying, I got to stop blaming my parents for, you know what I'm saying, the things, the places that I, I'm at or the things that I'm feeling and, you know, my perceptions and stuff like that. But somebody said to me before that, you know what I'm saying, you were responsible for yourself. And I basically was like, you know what I'm saying, fuck you nigga you know what, I'm saying? what the fuck you talking about you know what i'm saying you're not gonna take away what you know what i'm saying what i went through or what these people did to me or what was done to me and all this other stuff you know what i'm saying that's a victim mentality and as long as you stay in that victim mentality you always going to be looking for somebody else to come save you but we're gonna move on um where am i right now here we go, another you know how easy it is to point the finger at your person and say, you're the reason why this relationship is failing. But the relationship stands on two legs. So both parties are responsible for all things that happen in that relationship. So if the relationship is failing, both people may be responsible for something. And what if, just what if, your trauma is killing the relationship? And I know, of course, y'all gonna come with the fight. I'm not the problem. They're the problem. Yada, yada, yada. Yeah, I'm healed. You know how easy it is for us to believe that we are entirely healed, that we are. Yeah, because nobody is entirely healed. Nobody's ever going to be entirely healed. Like I said, you will rise above certain things in your life that you've gone through, but they are still there because they still happen. You still experience them. You still have feelings and emotions from them. Your human flesh had a feeling from them. 
you can't sit out here and you know what I'm saying the athlete can't go out here and tear their ACL and and then have surgery or whatever and think that there's never going to be any type of um residual uh feelings or outcomes from that injury that they had we're quick to understand physical injuries but not mental and emotional injuries those mental and emotional injuries are the same as those physical injuries so you will experience them in some in some form or fashion at some point in your life even after you repair them they haven't gone away because it still happened. Healed 100%. We, we have suppressed a lot of memories. We have an unresolved mindset. And, and that's the thing. We sit here and we think that, you know what I'm saying, you go to therapy or you get on this, this medication or whatever that all oh, this stuff's just supposed to go away. It doesn't go away. You either rise above it or you suppress it. Rise above it or suppress it. It don't go away. And a lot of people are afraid to confront certain aspects. Burp number eight, nine, whatever. Nine, ten, whatever. Happened again. <laughs> but yeah, seriously. This stuff doesn't go away. You've experienced it. And a lot of people are afraid to face things. I'm going to be honest with you. The reason why my book, my anticipated book that all everybody always asks me about hasn't happened because a lot of things that I have to write about in this book, I have suppressed or I'm afraid to face. I started writing this book in 2018. 2018 i literally in the midst of me writing all these blogs over the past couple of weeks i have revisited my book and i was shocked to find out that i started writing this book in 2018 but i started writing this book in 2018 that is four years ago four years ago that i started writing my book but i wasn't ready I wasn't able to keep continuing and confronting these situations. Although I don't know what, you know what I'm saying, why I've been having this big inspiration of writing all these blogs or whatever. But in, in, inside of me, I feel like that this is getting me prepared to dive in fully into my book. You know, I've been tinkering with the book a little bit, but I feel like, you know what I'm saying, this blog, you know what I'm saying, all these blog posts or whatever, and me taking this break from social media that is getting me prepared to finish the book, just straight finish the book, you know what I'm saying, when, when it will be done, I don't know, but I feel like I'm being prepared to finish my book, you know, that's just the feeling that I'm getting, you know, I may be assuming or whatever, but, you know, that's the feeling that I've been getting inside, but back to the clip. We have suppressed a lot of memories. We have an unresolved mindset and we're still operating in it and we're still stuck in that victimhood. Do you know how hard it is for your person to try to see through the cracks of your armor and nurture your wounds? 
You know how hard it is for your person to see that inner child crying and they're trying to provide this stability and security, but you have that inner child imprisoned to actually try to penetrate these walls that you have. Man, we are all kids. We are all, a lot of us adults are just kids in bigger bodies. Point blank period. Like, you can sit here and agree, disagree with me all you want to, but all of us are little kids living inside big bodies because we are still stuck in a lot of the um, inner child traumas and, and all that stuff that we haven't resolved and we haven't confronted, that we don't understand, that we are ignorant to, and we just, we're living these things out in adult bodies. Think about it. Like, we start, we, we are born as a baby. And a lot of us that reach old age, and I ain't, I'm not at old age. I'm 40 years old, but damn, I look good. I'm like 28 years. I look, I, I look and feel like I'm 28 years old. But the for the people who are able, that who are able to live to an old age, what did they wind up being? Babies. So we essentially our inner childs in adult bodies. Back to the clip. Put up. You know how hard that is? Every time they try to communicate with you, you think automatically it's a conflict. Uh, I don't want to deal with this conflict. This is overwhelming. You're making me deal with things I don't want to deal with. I'm tired of hearing your dissatisfactions. And so you run and you flee. And they have to constantly chase after you. Do you know how hard it is? Maybe you're the person whenever they communicate. A lot of us are runners. Shit, I'm I'm just going to keep it real. All of us are runners. All of us are runners in the right situation. All of us are runners in the right situation. <laughs> we all are. And if you don't perceive yourself as running, it, that's because you're using some sort of substance. You're using so, some sort of substance to keep you functioning. What is alcohol, sex, drugs, whatever. Shit. Even in the midst of my social anxiety. It, and this is how I've always been able to. I'm always been an analytical and a very observant person. But I've always seen people with social anxiety based off of their substance abuse. And that's because I understand it. Like a lot of the uh, a lot of the times when I was um, this was even before I knew what I was going through. A lot of the times when I was dealing with social anxiety or whatever, I would always, you know, what I'm saying drink enough to give me a little buzz. You know, what I'm saying give me tipsy a little bit because it's very hard. Thank 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 the genetics of my dad because it's it's very difficult for me to get drunk <laughs> but um not to say that i've never been drunk but it's very difficult for me to to get drunk but i will always need that extra boost you know what i'm saying to get to get a little buzzed or tipsy or whatever to loosen myself up and i've seen that in so many people that i've been around before and obviously they don't know what I assume that they don't know what's going on with them because, you know what I'm saying, they don't go to therapy 
or at least I don't know. Then, you know what I'm saying? They aren't talking to me about it, but I can see myself and I've seen myself in so many people throughout my life that I understand when people are dealing with social anxiety or when they're dealing with depression and stuff like that. And like I said, one of the things that I would do to get me over this hump of being uncomfortable or nervous or fearful in situations was I would have enough to drink to get me over the hump. And it and it was is interesting because every time that I've met with um I've dealt with a new uh therapist, I've had at least four four therapists in my lifetime since I've been going to therapy since 2013. And I've also, you know, um, dealt with two psychiatrists when I've been on medication. So each and every evaluation has always been, I just need to get over the hump. That I'm very capable of living a normal life and stuff like that, but I just have this this little inkling, this little inch of fear and nervousness and anxiety that I need help getting over that hump. So I can under, I can see when people need to get over that hump in certain situations and stuff like that. But back to the clip. Communicate with you or they bring up a conflict that you start yelling and screaming and cursing and you act bigger than them because that's what you had to do to be heard and be seen in your past. Well, that doesn't make for a productive, healthy relationship. Do you know how much your partner suffers when you refuse to seek help and you refuse to heal? The burden that it must be whenever they can see your brokenness and you think you're fine and they're trying so hard to help you and help you heal and they're trying to work through that pain with you, but you put up this wall and you push them out and every time they try to get in, you make them feel bad for trying. All of the sweat and the tears and the time and the effort that they are putting in to show you that you're safe, you're okay. But any minor mistake that they make, whether it be intentional or unintentional, you beat them down and you beat them down and you beat them down. That's suffering that they start to transition to because you refuse to heal. It's not their responsibility to heal you. You think your suffering is greater than their suffering? You cannot keep on wearing your trauma and your hurt and your pain as a badge of honor just so people will cry for you. And get yeah. And it's a lot of people that attach themselves to their suffering, their trauma and stuff like that. I'll be lying if I said that I've never been in that place. And that was particularly when I was in my uh, early 20s and stuff like that where, you know what I'm saying, um, I didn't understand what was going on with me. But obviously I knew something was going on with me. But it was easier to dedicate and focus myself on the pain that I felt and it being a badge of honor for me. And, you know, what I'm saying, well, you know, what I'm saying I'm this. And, and that was when I was in my angriest moments. That's when I was in the most conflict. That's when I was always getting into fights. That's when I was always putting myself in compromising situations. That's when I was always putting my friends and my loved ones in compromising situations because I'm just going to be, you know what I'm saying, angry at the world and and nobody going to fuck with me type shit like that, you know what I'm saying? So, you know what I'm saying? It I get it. 
I get it. So I will never judge nobody that they're not in a space yet to understand or they want to understand or whatever. I get it. And that's why it's important for me to speak my truth and to speak my experiences or whatever, because it is better for people to hear other people experiencing similar things as opposed to general shit like, well, social anxiety is this. Anxiety is this. Depression is this. No. That's bullshit. It helps. But it only helps if you're open to it, if you understand it. But when it comes down to what do people mostly gravitate towards to other people's experiences where they feel like they are not alone, where they feel like they have a space to open up. So that's why back, you know what I'm saying, in the past and, you know what I'm saying, several times when I when I fall short that I get frustrated and discouraged. Because I feel like, you know what I'm saying, like why is why is this shit getting highlighted on social media? Why is that getting focused on or whatever? When I got a real story and niggas just doing shit just to be popular or they want to get, you know what I'm saying, recognition and stuff like that. But that's need to heal there. Back to the clip. Give you attention and sympathize. Your need for recognition, your lack of empathy, because you believe that your suffering is greater than theirs is what's killing that relationship. And you can't keep on punishing your partner for the wrongs that people have done to you. <laughs> you can't keep blaming them for your self-negligence. And if your partner has hurt you, your, you know, your partner or your person has hurt you unintentionally or intentionally, and you said that you forgave them, well, you actually have to let it go. You can't keep on making them suffer. They don't have to continue to bathe in. This, the world we live in today and what social media pushes like hell is you have to live in this toxic negative space you know what i'm saying we gonna we gonna post this shit because we know everybody gonna gravitate towards it so then the people gravitate towards it and it's gonna give them confirmation you know what i'm saying on how they feeling and then it's just gonna push our numbers up and then we got we got them you know what i'm saying it's just like fishing we put that bait on there we put that bait on that hook we throw it out there on the line we know who going to jump to it. We know this bait right here is good for catfish. We know this bait right here is good for rockfish. We know this bait right here is good for croaker. We know this bait right here is good for bass fish. So you throw that shit out there. You know what it, what was going was going to catch them. But people keep falling for this shit. And it's easier to be comfortable in a space that you're used to as opposed to changing things. And your resentment and your bitterness, you can't say that I forgive a person and I'm choosing to reconcile if I'm going to beat them down every single moment because it makes me feel good to see them hurt like I did. That's not fair. You're not perfect, baby. And sometimes you have to take the time to actually step back and look at yourself and say, I really need to work on me. I need to heal and you can do so even within a relationship because the unhealthy version of you may be weighing the relationship down and eventually that relationship will sink and that person may abandon ship. Take some time, connect with yourself. We need the healthiest version of you for a healthy, stable, harmonious relationship. 
Make the healthiest choice that you can. Happy, healthy relationships, y'all. Bye, babies. And that's honestly why I had to take this social media break because, bruh, I was losing myself, getting caught up into what everybody was doing, comparing myself to people who started out at the same time as me with the mental health stuff and all that other stuff. And just just getting away from, you know, uh, the stuff that I that built me up, that made me a better person, that connected me to God, who connected me to who I truly am and stuff like that. It's not worth it. That shit ain't worth it, man. It's just not worth it. And I'm only speaking for myself. Everybody can do whatever they want to do. But it's not worth it, man. It's not, it wasn't worth it for me. And that's why I, I said on a, the past couple of episodes, I'm not even sure if I'm going to get back on. I don't, you know what I'm saying, as far as being totally invested into interacting with with other people and, and, and spending my days and spending the portions and times and stuff on it because that that external validation that me compromising myself and and all that other stuff ain't worth it man it's 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 taking me further away from naturally who i am or who i want to be or or who who i should be or who the healed healed person is you know what i'm saying or my creativity i I'm just going to save it for when I write about it. So, greatestiamblog.com. So, make sure you um you you subscribe to it and all that other stuff and make sure you share the post. Uh make sure you share the podcast, make sure you follow the podcast on whatever streaming services you listen to it on and all, you know what I'm saying, my pages on social media, you can continue to follow them because I came to the conclusion of something that I want to do as far as, you know, how I'm going to advertise or market my shows and stuff like that and everything. But, yeah, it is just much more peaceful. It's just much more peaceful and pleasant to just, you know, what I'm saying just love on myself and build myself up and just focus on the people who actually care about me. You know what I'm saying? And, you know. Because, like I said, um, the social anxiety has already um, made a foundation of who I should already be counting on or who I should be looking to as who's my real friend and who's not and who really cares about me and who doesn't and stuff like that. So, yeah. I need to focus on the things that are important, the people that are important and stuff like that. So, um, yeah. And when it comes comes down to it, like um, the uh, human design in me that I shouldn't be doing too much. I shouldn't be doing all this reaching out and shit anyway. You know what I'm saying? My human design uh, for the folks that's into human design I'm a manifesting generator. I'm I'm a responder. So I respond to people and I shouldn't be doing all. And that that's how I always been too. And it is crazy because like even before I I knew about human design, 
I've never been the type of person to be reaching out to people and doing all this other stuff. And even when I do reach out to people and and get their response or lack of response and seeing how they reciprocate things or whatever, then I'll just be like, man, fuck them. You know what I'm saying? Not not in that derogatory way, but you know, just just in that <laughs> just in that that thought pattern of thinking like, you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? I need to give more energy to people who really, you know what I'm saying, rock with me. So yeah. But on to the show. <laughs> um Yeah, we we just got to find the difference between trauma responses and people's actual character. And I think that's something that people it's that's difficult for people to do because they don't even know their own character and they don't even understand their own trauma responses. So um, I'm I've been fortunate enough to be in therapy and to be who I am and, and understand my trauma responses and, and understand my character as a person and not take certain things personal like I used to in the past and stuff like that. So I'm able to find that balance of, you know, who's for me and who's not. But um Yeah, I came across this tweet and I thought it was relevant to everything that I've already been talking about. And it's crazy because I found this tweet right before I was about to get on and record. And it says, the reality is none of us are easy to be with. We all suffer from something. So when you meet someone who's willing to stay committed to understanding you and actually wants to grow with you, don't let something silly like ego and pride ruin it. I hope that don't go over your heads. And that that speaks that that speaks volumes, you know what I'm saying. Um, and I I don't know if it was last episode or episode before that, and I was talking about intention. We have to understand. We have to be more willing to understand people's um, intentions as opposed to just going off of what makes us uncomfortable in the moment or what aligns with with what meme or video and and shit that we've came across on social media or whatever because we all out here trying to figure shit out we've all have gone through things we've all have experienced the same feelings and emotions in some 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 fashion you know what i'm saying some way but you know i'm just a vessel <laughs> um yeah, it's another tweet I came across. It says, most people are not really interested in taking the time to really get to know someone. And that goes back to me talking about over and over again how we live in a society of instant gratification. And if you aren't being instantly gratified or um, if you are instantly feeling comfortable or you know, whatever bullshit, cliche or memes or being safe and all that other stuff with a person, then you totally write them off or judge, overly judge them and stuff like that. But back to the tweet, it says uh, most people are not really interested in taking the time to really get to know someone. That's why when they meet someone new, they become hyper focused on building this emotional intensity rather than seeing the person clearly. That's not intimacy. That's enmeshment. And bruh, that tweet 
says a lot because it's always cool when you meet a new person and whatever you get the butterflies you feeling good or whatever oh man this person has done this for me in such sort amount of time and this person that i knew didn't even do this and all that other stuff or they fell off or you forgot about the shit that they used to do or whatever so you just caught up into that recency that you know what i'm saying that <sighs> burp number 10 or 11 or 11 and 12 i don't know y'all y'all gotta let me know which i usually do appreciate y'all <laughs> the, it's a it's always a part of the show but um yeah you know what i'm saying we we get so attached to to feel good moments and and stuff like that and we forget about you know what i'm saying people's intentions and stuff like that and then we just fall in love with 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 quick moments or like like the tweet says, it's not intimacy, it's enmeshment. Because intimacy only comes from vulnerability. And it's all quick to to fall in love with a person's um here we go with the with the cliche terms. It's 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 real easy to fall in love with a person's quote unquote potential or the recency of their um representative but true intimacy comes down to vulnerability that's when you absolutely get to know a person and that's why it's crazy when people always be putting these timelines on how long you should be in a relationship or when you should get married and all this other stuff but a lot of people are here having a good time and ain't being vulnerable at all and that's why i always talk about how it's important to focus on the words and these quote-unquote titles of relationship and partnership is it's it's easy to relate to somebody i can go out here right now and and just have a good time and relate to somebody at the bar or at the club or at the movies at a restaurant because we like the same food or whatever but is there any vulnerability in that? No. That's just having a good time. But vulnerability comes down, intimacy comes down to the vulnerability aspect of things. Your fears, your worries, your anxieties, your dreams, your wants, your needs. You know what I'm saying? The things that you've gone through, the things that you've experienced with your family and stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? How, what your childhood was like, et cetera, et cetera. That ain't got nothing to do with relationships. That ain't got nothing to do with intimacy. You can literally go out here right now and just hit somebody up on on your uh on the D in the DM. On social media and be like, hey, you trying to go get a drink? Oh, yeah, yeah, let's go get a drink. You know what I'm saying? And from a man's perspective, it's always a lot of fem- women out here that, that like to, you know what I'm saying, have a have a meal. And according to the way that these memes and social media and stuff portray it, it's easy for, you know what I'm saying, these women women out here love to have a free meal. Especially if, if it's at a restaurant they ain't never been to before or something like that. <laughs> so where's the intimacy in that 
Where's the vulnerability in that? Where's the authentic- authenticity in that? <laughs> Moving along. Um, hey. We about to move into the, I'm what, a minute and 35 into the show. We about to move into the Blackity Black Oak segment. <laughs> I I just couldn't leave without talking about some of this stuff that that's going on. So it was leaked, leaked Bank of America memo. Quote, we hope conditions for American workers will get worse. Yes. So if Bank of America is hoping for this, you you got to assume that all the other banking uh, establishments uh, want in the same thing. Why? Because it gives them leverage against the people who they who hold loans against them, who wants to get loans, who got money in the bank and all that other stuff. Shit. These banks are making hella money over overdraft fees in the past couple of years during the pandemic and people losing their jobs and unemployment and all that other stuff. Shit crazy out here. Um, We sitting here talking about all this uh, Russia is our enemy and China is our enemy and all this other stuff. These motherfuckers that's sitting here right on the soil that we, the same soil that we on is our fucking enemies. But niggas don't want to see that. Is it, you know what I'm saying? We so conditioned to believe that this is just the norm of things that, you know, it don't matter. <laughs> um, Just soft toilet paper. Used to have 425 sheets on a roll. The new one has 320. Wow. The ice cream tubs used to be a half gallon, two quarts, then one and three quarter quarts. They've now trimmed down to a svelte one and a half. This washing detergent? Well, this is Dawn. The current seven-ounce little bottle is now six and a half ounces. So you lost half an ounce. The old one was 14 and a half ounces. The new one is 12 ounces. Taterade. Forever, it's come in 32-ounce bottles. Yeah. The new one is 28. So you lost four ounces. Folgers Ground Coffee recently reformulated. They said they fluffed up the beans so they could no longer put 51 ounces of ground coffee into their canisters. They could only fit in 43 and a half ounces. But they're still claiming it makes up to 400 cups. That was a clip that said shrinkflation is real. You know what I'm saying? So we going through this quote unquote quote-unquote inflation or whatever but people got to start paying attention to the shit that's going on in the grocery show grocery stores you know what i'm saying so this inflation is turning into shrinkflation so if you look at some of these uh products that we used to buy or whatever they shrinking the ounces the pounds and all that other stuff on these these items but you still paying the same price for them but you losing ounces pounds and all that other stuff shit crazy so (laughs) 
Oh man, these 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 uh black these Black Lives Matter activists, bruh. Um, black Lives Matter activist Sean King spent more than forty thousand dollars of donor money on dog. That's the report, and this was on uh MSN.com. Uh, <laughs> bruh, we I've talked about the niggas, the 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 women that was part of the Black Lives Matter organization when they bought that house in California and they was throwing the parties and and hiring their family members to run security or whatever and getting these tax breaks and all this other stuff. And here here's the here's y'all boy, the white knight. The white knight, Sean King. Buying a 40K, this is just the report. I'm just reporting the report. <laughs> 40K thousand dollars on a on a dog. And he said this dog was for protection from people harassing him. <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> oh man. But yeah, all this shit goes down to money, 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 money. We think these governments are for us. We so entrenched on voting and all this other stuff. We we sitting here and falling to these these narratives of if voting was important, why are they fighting so hard for us not to vote? Man, they just worried about getting into your emotions. Because they want you to actually vote. That's why they tapping into your emotions. What we shouldn't be doing is we shouldn't be voting. <laughs> we shouldn't be voting for neither one of those parties. But what they're doing is is tapping into our emotions and what is a greater thing for black people to do. Get into their feelings. They already know the playbook. They know the playbook because they wrote the playbook back in slavery times. Goes all the way back to the Willie Lynch theory. But yeah, Russia and China are brewing up a challenge to dollar dominance by creating a new reserve currency. Shit is all about the money, man. China been doing their thing, you know what I'm saying? They've been building up their empire and stuff like that. They've been moving on. They've been, you know what I'm saying, extending their empire to the the continent of Africa. Um and then now they're aligning themselves with Russia. So we already know the bullshit that's going on with the United States um, helping Ukraine, quote unquote, fight against Russia. And, you know, what I'm saying all this shit is about money. Who's going to be the dominant force or the dominant country or continent in this world? This ain't got nothing to do with democracy or nothing. This got to do with power, control, and money. So, I talked about uh, last episode about the Britney Grinder. I held off a long time before I commented on it. But this shit, man, this shit getting out of hand. So, recently she was... uh, um, sentenced to nine and a half years for her um, s- quote-unquote smuggling of her marijuana. You know what I'm saying? She only had the pen, but they deemed it as being 
they charged her with smuggling and all that other stuff. So, like I'm, I'm going to preface this by saying, um, it's an unfortunate incident. Um, I wouldn't wish that on nobody. But Brittany, has been, Brittany Griner has been going over there for eight years playing basketball. So you know what you shouldn't and shouldn't be doing. So why would you put yourself in that situation? <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. I mean, you're not going to get no sympathy from me when you knew what was, you know what I'm saying? You've been going over there for a while. You knew what the what the restrictions are. You knew what the laws were and all that other stuff. So now you caught up into a political game. This ain't got nothing to do with necessarily you breaking the law. I mean, yeah, you broke the law. But now, while you breaking the law and you got a little um, publicity or celebrity behind you, that they're going to use that shit to politicize it. And we are, like I said, the country, Russia, and the United States and Ukraine, they already going through this bullshit, fake ass shit. I mean, I'm just going, I'm just going to say how I feel about it. This shit is fake. This some money laundering shit. Because there's no way that you having a full-blown-ass war in Ukraine and you got American celebrities, actors, Ben Stiller, and um, it was a actress that just recently went over there to do photo shoots. And then the fucking uh, prime minister of Ukraine, Zelensky, and his wife did a whole Vogue photo shoot in, the, in, the, in that region. Like, come on now, man. This shit is propaganda. This shit is publicity. This shit is bullshit. Bullshit. <laughs> oh, man. But I'm going to come back to that. And we're going to talk about this 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 stuff with the uh, word spaz. The quote-unquote word spaz. And y'all know I can care less about Beyonce and what she doing and all that other stuff. Um, but... The disability community came out and had an issue with uh, Beyonce having the word spaz in one of her songs. And they also had an issue with Lizzo doing it um, as well. So both Lizzo and Beyonce got rid of the word spaz in their songs. But you notice how all these other communities always are able to do this, right? But when it comes to the quote-unquote black community like all these other communities and people or whatever can use the n-word and all that other stuff shit the damn fucking um record labels promote and push the black rappers and singers and stuff to use the word nigga 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 all over the place it's cool for us to use these derogatory terms against ourselves and push these negative agendas and narratives. But when another community comes out, then the music industry is all about <laughs> all about reform and 
doing what's right and all that other shit. <laughs> shit is crazy, bro. But that shows you how these celebrities, these singers and all this other stuff really don't have no fucking power, man. They don't have no power. Or either they afraid and they weak. Because there's no way that you're going to have every black rapper push this narrative and this agenda of nigga, nigga, nigga. And I'm killing you and all this other stuff. But then as soon as somebody use a word spaz or some other term, whether it's against the LGBTQ plus community or whatever, then it's a fucking problem. Kiss my ass. <laughs> these niggas are weak. They're servants. And that just shows you that a lot of these these um black celebrities and stuff, they only care about the fame, the money. And a lot of them are just industry plants. Plants in the term of, like I was speaking on Will Smith, a lot of them have been groomed to be in this position, just like um, the movie The Truman Show, where all they know is to be in this place. Where they came up from the end, they started out in the industry as a kid or a young adult, and they've been groomed to only see things one way. It's crazy. But, um, yeah, back to the Britney grind and stuff, man. Yeah. She getting nine and a half years for a little uh, vape pen with some uh, THC in it, some marijuana, mer- some reefers. <laughs> some reefers. But she just getting caught up into the politics. Yes, she broke the law. And um, the amount of um, THC that she had on her doesn't warrant nine and a half years. Um according to Russia's laws and other sentences that they've put down with people that have uh, broke that same law. But she has some celebrity around her, and you know what I'm saying? It's become a political game. Russia wants some people back that America has, and now it's coming down to how you're going to negotiate. What games you going to play? Russia has two Americans, Brittany Griner, for weed charges, and they have somebody else for espionage charges. The United States has two Russians, um, one for conspiracy to kill Americans and one who is a Russian Russian spy and um, also who uh, has murder charges on him and is considered, he has the name of the merchant of death. <laughs> so... They're playing a political game at this point. You know, um, we've seen this bu- this before. Even with the last administration with Trump, we had something similar. Um, I don't recall the names, but it was something similar where they had to negotiate um, getting somebody back for somebody else. So the shit is just, uh, it's, it comes down to politics. And we just playing games at this point. But yeah. It's interesting, um, and this is something that I talked about plenty of times before when it comes down to the feminist movement and the LGBTQ plus uh, movement that you have the white majority in these communities 
that they'll use the black presence for their benefit. But when it, the tables are turned and the black people of these communities need help, you don't hear nothing from these communities. Because you ain't heard nothing from the LGBTQ community, plus community, the white the white side of it at least. Um, just recently, um, some of the black side of the LGBTQ plus community has come out and supported uh, Brittany Griner. But when it comes to the feminist movement, and the uh, LGBTQ plus movement, them white people do not give a fuck about black women or black um, LGBTQ plus people. They don't. They don't care. They'll use you for their their agendas. But when it comes down to supporting you, when you in uh, some trouble or something like that, they don't give a fuck. They don't give a fuck. Classic example. But hey. These people will rather recognize themselves with these communities as opposed to their actual community that they've always have been seen as or labeled as by the majority of society. Yeah, but um, let me see where I'm at. Because I got a lot of shit to talk about with this fucking um, blackity-black woke segment. <laughs> um, but it's just crazy, though, that, you know what I'm saying, a lot of people are just sitting there talking about, you know, we should still... You can't you can't look at the Britney Griner situation and say she shouldn't have did this and all that other stuff. Yeah, you should. Like, we can't always be sitting here supporting a black person when they've made a mistake that they knew that they were doing. Like, come on now. Like, at some point, like, even, like, it comes down to this. Like, you got all these people going out their way to talk about the Brittany Griner situation because she's had some form of celebrity in this country. But what about all the fucking people who are in jail now who have been in jail forever for 20 plus, 20 plus, 30 plus years for marijuana? I can easily take a 15 minute drive down to D.C. right now and get me some THC. What is it's a it's a joint, some tincture, an edible or whatever. And. Not have to worry about going to jail. But we got people that been in jail for 20, 30 years in this country. But nobody focusing on them. Nobody care about them. But soon as a celebrity or somebody with some form of celebrity gets in trouble, then it's this total outrage and this total campaign or whatever. And that shows you how so focus we are on celebrities and stuff like that and how easy it is for uh certain portions of the media to get us wrapped up into a narrative or an agenda fuck out of him <laughs> um you know and then it's another um argument out there you know what i'm saying talking about something where the wnba don't make enough money so that's why she had to go play in russia and that's why she got caught and all that other stuff 
I don't know the exact amount of money that Brittany Griner makes, but I believe it's in six figures. So I believe it's around like $200,000 or something like that. So she's making a pretty good living to live in the United States. <laughs> so I'm tired of these people like, you know what I'm saying? We talk about orange apples and oranges at this point when it comes to the NBA and the WNBA. Like, seriously, you got all these people talking about some, well, if the WNBA made more money and all this other stuff, she wouldn't have to go to Russia. How about your ass supported the WNBA and went to the games and, or even watched the games of the WNBA? No, but y'all not doing that. See, it's always easy to go away from your role in things or the accountability that you hold in the situation and then just blaming everybody else for something. Because if more people paid more attention to the WNBA in this country, that that means by watching the games and actually paying for tickets to go see the games, then the WNBA players will make more money. Because that's where the money comes from. Sponsorships from TV deals and ticket prices and um concessions so if you're not going to the wnba games or watching the wnba games i don't want to hear your bullshit about um what money the wnba making versus what the nba is making yeah um let me i'm done with this britney grinder shit so the IRS is hiring 87,000 uh, new agents, um, IRS agents. So who are these 87,000 uh, IRS agents going to be going after? They can't be going after the, the rich folk. <sighs> so who the fuck they going after? It's a lot of people that have, have struggled in the past we about to be upon three, well, shit, we already passed three years since, you know what I'm saying, all this stuff been going on with the juice, the the COVID disease and all that other stuff. And now we got the monkeypox shit popping up. So who the fuck is these 87,000 new IRS agents about to be going after? They, they definitely not going after the rich. I mean, even today, the uh, White House spokesman came out and said that these new agents aren't going after anybody that makes under $400,000 a year. I don't believe that shit because I don't believe a goddamn thing that this government has been saying, particularly this administration, the Biden administration. Where the fuck has been? Where the fuck has Kamala Harris been? Like, seriously, bro. Like, this is some unreal shit. Like, it's been a lot of videos that have been posted um, with Biden just doing some weird ass shit. Some shit that a person with dementia or Alzheimer's does. Like he's just been on some crazy ass fumbling words, doing some weird physical things and stuff like that and if you on twitter you see that shit all the time because major news organizations are posting this but yeah that's need to heal in there um 
I just, man, you know, it was actually black people crying when Joe Biden was elected, bro. Celebrities, regular folk, and all that crying when Joe Biden got <laughs> elected. All because they didn't want Trump to be in office. And I ain't even going to get into the shit that's been going on with Trump that happened last night with his um house being raided by the FBI and all that drama with that shit. But, yeah, man, it's crazy. There's no way you... you you telling me that 87,000 IRS agents are being hired and they not going after the middle class or, you know what I'm saying, the lower class people in America. There's no way. There's no way. There's no way. <laughs> um, yeah, so we here. We talked about Ukraine enough. Biden administration to announce a $1 billion weapons package for Ukraine, the single largest so far. <laughs> Somebody tweeted and was like, at least Reagan had enough respect for y'all to hide this kind of thing behind crack sales. And, that, and, that's, and that's accurate as hell. Like, Reagan, he was... um Reagan's administration, the CIA, and all that other stuff got caught up into what they they got caught. But what they was doing was they was funding the Contras um, through pushing the crack through the black communities. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But Biden is just like, fuck it. You know what I'm saying? We're going to get this money to Ukraine, and we ain't even going to hide it. We're going we gonna to promote this shit. You know what I'm saying? For security purposes. So in, in, as part of that weapons package, it says um, additional ammunition for high mobility artillery rocket systems, 75,000 rounds of a 155 milli millimeter artillery ammunition, 2120 millimeter mortar systems, and 20,000 rounds of 120 millimeter mortar ammunition. Munitions for National Advanced Surface-to-Air Missile Systems, 1,000 Javelin and hundreds of 84 anti-armor systems, 50 armor, armored medical treatment vehicles, uh, Claymore anti-personnel munitions. I'm reading this shit and, and uh, some of this shit, I don't even know what the fuck they talking about because I ain't never been military. C4 explosives. Demolition munitions and demolition equipment. Medical supplies to include first aid kits, bandages, monitors, and other equipment. It says in total, the United States has now committed approximately $9.8 billion in security assistance to Ukraine since the beginning of the Biden administration. Since 2014, the United States has committed more than 11.8 billion in security assistance to Ukraine. To meet Ukraine's evolving battlefield requirements, the United States will continue to work with its allies and partners to provide Ukraine with key capabilities calibrated to make a difference. And this this comes from <laughs> the White House itself, bro. They just throwing this shit in our face and just like Fuck y'all. Y'all not going to do nothing about it. Y'all not going to protest. Y'all not going to complain about it because y'all some fucking suckers. 
Y'all some suckers. Y'all think this shit is routine because we've been doing this shit forever. So, yeah, fuck y'all niggas. And now it's another report out that says the U.S. to send $4.5 billion more to Ukraine for budget needs. $4.5 billion more to Ukraine for budget needs. $4.5 billion to keep Ukraine's government operating. That is the claim. The United States will provide an additional $4.5 billion to keep Ukraine's government operating. The United States is sending out an additional $4.5 billion in aid to the government of Ukraine, bringing the total amount of budgetary support to the country since it was invaded by Russia to $8.5 billion, the Treasury Department said Monday. The funds will help keep the Ukrainian government afloat as it seeks to withstand the large-scale Russian campaign that's now approaching its sixth month. The first payment of $3 billion from the $4.5 billion is scheduled to go out later this month. The Treasury will administer the funds along with the U.S. Agency for International Development and the money will go to essential services like paying government salaries, keeping hospitals and schools operating and distributing humanitarian supplies. Bruh, money laundering, business deals, all that crazy ass shit, bruh. Now, let me play a couple of clips for y'all. <laughs> oh, man, this shit is crazy, bruh. Uh, shout out to all y'all Biden voters and y'all Obama, Obama lovers. <laughs> I'm sorry, bro. This shit is crazy, bro. And I ain't gonna sit here and act like when Obama was first elected that I wasn't, I wasn't sights, I wasn't hype, I wasn't supportive. I was until I started getting more into the realness of what's what's been going on, and it's a lot of bullshit that's been going on, man. Uh, which clip am I, which clip am I going to go to first? Um, uh, all right, um, let me go to this clip. This is a funny clip. This is from y'all boy, Van, Van, um, Van Jones. One of the dudes that was crowned when, uh, Biden got elected. Or uh, African-American voters in particular, there's a special heartbreak because first of all, the pain is more intense. Uh, you know, the, the rising uh, gas prices, food prices, it's really walloped the black community in a particular way. And but the hopes were so much higher. And so you have a community that came out in huge numbers in 2018, huge numbers in 2020, expecting things to get a lot better. And instead, economically, at least it didn't come true. It, it got worse. And so you're going through a summer now of real heartbreak with black voters. The polls show that. And uh, I think Biden's got to take it very seriously. How? Well, a couple of things. First of all, I don't think that they're doing a, a good job or even trying to communicate some of the stuff that's been uh, done for the black community. <clears throat> for instance, billions of dollars for black colleges. Billions of dollars for black colleges. That some of those dollars that they ended up taking away. I talked about that before on a previous episode, but let's let them rock. Nobody knows that. Uh, the Department of Justice has uh, uh, Kristen Clark in place now. They are actually now going after police departments and fixing police departments. In a they 
maybe fixing police departments, but also just in the past couple of weeks, the Biden administration has uh, provided more money to police forces around the country to bring in more police officers to enforce more. But hey, let, let's let them rock, right? Way that hadn't happened under Trump. Uh, they backed off the Department of Justice under Trump was charging people way too much. And he said they the Trump administration was charging people way too much. But under the Biden administration, more people have been arrested for weed since the Obama administration. But let's let them rock. Criminally, they're backing off of that. Uh, you also have more black women put on the federal uh, courts of appeals than have ever been done by any. Yeah, so that's cool and everything. More black women on the court of appeals. But previous episode that I did where I pointed out a study that was been been done about judges and their sentences towards black people. And it came down that more black women that were judges were giving harsher sentences to black people, particularly black men. But let's let them rock. President, even though it's eight years, he's done it in less than two. Uh, he's doing stuff. They're not communicating. I think if I, if I were Democratic Party right now, the black community is a firewall. They need to be spending a lot of money on black radio, a lot of money in black. See, he's only talking about spending money on advertising and marketing what they normally do for us. What they normally do is, you know what I'm saying, spend all their money on marketing and advertising what they what they gonna do as opposed to what they actually have done or what they actually going to do or actually just doing something fucking period. But media, to just point out the fact that Joe Biden is there for the black community and is doing stuff right now. Joe Biden ain't never been for the black community, point blank and period, so yeah, whatever. It's a taste to consider podcast. You don't, you don't have to consider the taste, but hey, it is what it is. Consider the facts, not your feelings. Um, where I'm at right now, okay, another clip. This clip talks more about the inflation. I thought this was a perfect example of the inf of what's going on with inflation and how they got all this money to give to fucking Ukraine, but they ain't got no got no money to give to the people out here that's suffering. And when it comes down to all this inflation, this recession and depression and all that other stuff, the black community always is going to suffer the most in these situations. Inflation is just like alcoholism. In both cases, when you start drinking or when you start printing too much money, the good effects come first. The bad effects only come later. That's why, in both cases, there's a strong temptation to overdo it, to drink too much and to print too much money. When it comes to the cure, it's the other way around. When you stop drinking or when you stop printing money, the bad effects come first and the good effects only come later. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. I mean, I ain't got to say nothing further. You know what I'm saying? That, that pretty much said it. Um, I'm a end off this episode with this quote from Asada Shakur quote people get used to anything the less you think about your oppression the more your tolerance for it grows after a while people just think oppression is the normal state of things 
But to become free, you have to be acutely aware of being a slave. We are slaves. Black folk are slaves to the Democratic Party. We are slaves to the quote-unquote culture. We are slaves to toxicity. We are slaves to toxic femininity, feminism. We are slaves to toxic masculinity. We are slaves to whatever. I'm about to choke talking about this bullshit. (coughs) (coughs) We got to stop playing games, man. Stop playing games. It's a taste to consider podcast. I ain't got no song to end off on y'all. Make sure y'all subscribe, download, follow, do all the, them good things. Greatest I am, blog.com. Um, if you on my socials, the link tree is in the bio. Listen, download, share. Shit. If y'all really fucking care, if y'all really about mental health, uh, truth, all that other stuff, share my shit. Whatever. I mean, I ain't gonna keep I'm I ain't gonna keep begging y'all niggas. <laughs> but nah, I'm out of here. I appreciate y'all, appreciate all the love, appreciate all the people who take the time to read, to listen, all that good stuff. I appreciate you and I see you. I definitely see you. Taste to consider podcast. I'm your host, Dirk Silver. We out.